Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Vibhav Shetty Experience Beyond the Gloves. And today we have live with us from Bangalore, representing Phenomenal MMA Academy, Raj Viperide, or as he likes to call himself, the South Coast Gangster. So I'm just waiting for him to uh, join in the stream. But Raj has been a fighter who's been fighting in the regional scene for the last uh, three years or so. Uh, he was in line for an opportunity at the WKN title a couple of years ago when Frank Monk was putting across his events. But he ended up being injured at the time and we could not put him on the card. He is, however, back on the scene and he had a fight scheduled uh, just a few days from now. However, his opponent pulled out due to an eye injury. So we won't be able to see him in action uh, in the immediate future. But uh, looks like, you know, he is back onto the scene. He is trying to get back to winning ways. And I'm hoping to get him to join us and uh, talk to us a little bit more about his journey. And he's joined us now. Hi, Raj. Hi, bro. Hey. Hello. Perfect. Can you see <laughs> me properly? Like, uh... We can see you perfectly. One second. Uh, the lighting is... Okay. Perfect. Okay, perfect. So yeah, there yeah, you are. Oh, is that... Uh... Great. And are you, are you sitting next to Sadhguru's photo? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, bro. It's <laughs> okay, okay. I set up a small salary at home. So... This is where we will meditate at home. Uh, mm -hmm. like that. Okay, okay, great. So yeah, Raj, thank you again for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me, bro. My pleasure, bro. So I was just telling people that you know you've been a very active fighter in the regional scene for the last few years, and in fact, uh, we were in conversation to get you a WK in title fight, but back yeah, yeah. we were under discussion. You were actually injured, so we could never really pull the trigger on that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you're back on the scene now. Injury is all uh, recovered. Yeah, yeah, bro. Uh, it took like around uh, 18 months to recover from that. I actually had the injury from the last seven, eight years. It was constantly used to dislocate and then I had to just work with that. And then finally, it up. And then after the injury, I took one fight also. I can move the shop. Okay. Uh, yeah, I won the fight right. first round. And uh, yeah. Now back in the fights. Okay, great. Uh, Raj, your network, I think, is a little off. So we lost you a little bit over there. But uh, from what I understand, you took up a fight immediately after injury and you won that fight, right? Yeah, yeah. After the injury, I fixed it with a level surgery. And uh, it took me like 18 months to recover completely. Uh, so after that, I took the fight. I won that fight as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, now back into fighting again. Okay, perfect. And you had a fight that was coming up now, uh, but I, from what I see in your social media, that fight is no longer going ahead. Yeah, bro, that guy got injured in his eye, so he fought against Krishna Thomas, and uh, he got a punch probably or elbow. I don't know. Didn't see the video yet, but he pulled off the fight in a very short notice. So even the promoters couldn't face any other opponent, proper one. So it's out. It's off now. 
Oh, so unfortunately, we won't be able to see you back in action anytime soon. But uh, hopefully, uh, some other promotion or you know maybe the same promotion gets a fight very soon for you. So you know, Mostly I'm hoping to see you back in the cage. Yeah, yeah. So next month I'll be fighting. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's a promotion in Kerala, so even that is under talks. And even WTS is there. Uh, Dream Warrior series, DWS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even there, I be I might be fighting. Or even yeah, the so everybody, you know, just uh, MFN. Contender oh, okay. is up. No, no, MFN Contender series is happening. Uh, so I might fight right. in that as well. Let's see how it goes. Okay. That's one of the active fights now. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so, uh, we spoke to Edo Kondal, you know, maybe a few weeks back, and he did mention yeah. that he got into MMA with you, and both of you were together. Uh, before MMA in in uh, Taekwondo school, so could you let me know a little bit yeah. more about how you started your martial arts journey? So, bro, uh, actually, in my home, my uncle used to wrestle, my dad used to wrestle. So, as a uh-huh. kid, that's what they gave me, like wrestle with me and then wrestle with me and all this kind of thing. That's how martial arts started from the very young age. So, as there was a lot of wrestlers at home, we used to wrestle, and uh, that was not exciting for me at that point of time. Uh, there was no. YouTube uh, used, used to go with all uh, Bruce Lee movies and Jackie Chan movies and things like that, and you know, like it's right. And uh, we used to watch those series, and I used to practice moves by myself. And that's the time I came up with one uh, from uh, one demonstration team called K Tigers, which stands for Korean Tigers. So I was not able to do those things. They used to do the fancy kicks like the 360 degree, 540 degree jumps and spins and kicks like that. So that's why I wanted to join Taekwondo. This was when I was six years old. Okay. And uh, I joined one local oh, wow. class. Yeah, there was near my house. There was one Taekwondo class. I joined there, did it for a while, and then again got busy with the uh, school and this and that. You know, like people used to tell like, oh, you have to go to tuitions and this and that. So I was getting time for that as well. And later on, I joined uh, a place called Deccan Taekwondo Academy. It's with uh, Master Rachel Mutapatra. That's where I started like properly training. That's where I met uh, Edu. Like I was training for six, seven years okay. by then, and then Edu came in there, so we met there. Right at that point of time itself, I had this thing like Taekwondo is like I kind of felt like the rules and things is like limiting my skills, like my ability to do what I can do in martial arts. Like no punches to face, no takedowns, no wrestling. I was no grappling, nothing there, just kicks. So, anyways, it's great. Uh, when you start up with a traditional martial art, it helps you with. Other aspects of martial arts as well, like you learn your footwork, you get that precision and timing, and lot of discipline and things like that. But I wanted to do more. I wanted to have like I I was always drawn to like real fight scenarios. Okay. So even at those days, I should we should just talk with Edu and we people should talk about like okay, we have to do this thing. There's something like yours. Uh, these things are cool. We just watch the videos and things like okay, we have to fight this thing, and uh, that's how we started. Then I joined oh, Cult. Nice. First, uh-huh. uh, it was Cult, the workout station back then, not the Cult Fit. So yeah. they were they were having a fighting plans and things like that. So me, Lionel, Greg DeCosta, we people were there in the gym first. So that's where I started. I joined as assistant trainer. As I was the open international fighter in Taekwondo, I directly joined as assistant trainer mm-hmm. in Cult. Okay. So okay. that's where I got exposed to uh, other martial arts as well. First started training with Lionel Belusi and then uh-huh. Greg, people like that. Right. And later on, we started with Ramareddy also. 
We're just waiting for Raj to join back, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So just please uh, have a little bit of patience. Uh, but as Raj was saying, uh, for those of you who do not know what Cult is, uh, Cult right now is owned by Mukesh Bansal, and it's become a household name across uh, India as far as you know group fitness and group training goes. But back in the days, uh, there was uh, the the first gym was in a place called Sarjapur Road. 
and that is the place that Raj was talking about where initially when they did start uh, it was more intense and they had a lot of real fighters teaching people MMA, Jiu-Jitsu and even uh, boxing at that point of time. So welcome back Raj, I was just telling people Hello. a little bit more about cult. Yeah, yeah. Bro. Yeah. yeah, so I think uh, I think uh, there was a lot of lag between us. So you know, uh, whatever I was probably telling yeah, you yeah. was coming to you a minute or two late. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, now it's fine. Right. So, so what I was saying is, you know, so you, so cult, you must have joined them around 2014, 2015. That that duration. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, when I stopped with them, I mean, we start. Me and Greg went to. Uh-huh. Uh, it's for the Tiger Muay Thai Foundation. They had something called Buddha for in Bangalore uh, for the program, outings program. So they should send trainers to the other places and there we used to take classes. Okay. That is when right. they have arranged a uh, place for the trainers to train. That's how uh, I got connected with uh, Ramadan. Right. right. And that was your first exposure to Jiu Jitsu? Exactly. Yes. That's where we met. You're right. Yeah. No. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I joined training for Jiu Jitsu like uh, seven, eight days. And the next weekend, there was some state level competition uh-huh. in Jiu Jitsu. That's what I thought. Right. Uh, I got a super medal in that. <laughs> because I had a, like an idea of grappling because I should grapple at home, like my uncle, my dad, and right. like that. So I just. Did not know how to submit people and things like that. I, I was good at wrestling at that time. Right. So yeah, so somehow it worked out. <laughs> okay. And and then you switched over to starting uh, your own team as well. How did that come up, uh, around? The phenomenal MMA yeah. team. So first time was working in Budo uh, and Budo also shut it down. Then I started working in Kiyaka, uh, which is in uh, Sachapur Road as well as a. Uh, HSR and Indranagar. I used to take Moxa class over there. But the thing is, first you think like it's just martial arts field only we are working on, and, and uh, we'll take morning sessions and evening sessions, and we'll fight as well. But that doesn't work like that. What happens is when you have schedules for morning and evening sessions, when you want to push yourself that little more, that one, two rounds extra when you want to do, your mind will be telling, you, no, I have a class for the evening, I have a class for tomorrow morning, I should not push my that much like we should stop it right here something so even when even though you're working as a coach if you're working as a full-time coach i mean like morning sessions and evening sessions it's very hard to find right. time for yourself to train right so i that point of time i got to know like okay if i'm doing this thing i will not be able to fight properly i will not be able to train the way i have to train uh, things like that mm-hmm. so first we thought mm-hmm. uh, we'll have a small studio kind of place where we'll just train a little bit uh, just for my fights. So first we did not think we'll have like a big academy and we'll get people into that and we'll train people. First I thought we'll keep it very small, just like a fight camp. Get a couple of guys who want to train with us and we'll focus on the fights itself. We just want to focus on fighting. Okay. So that's right. when we had uh, Edu, we had Pratap, Rocky, uh, with a couple of guys we started with training together. Right. But then people started coming in. We thought, okay, fine, we can have the morning sessions and evening sessions as well. And uh, we'll keep a very workload as a trainers in phenomenal, even to, till date, we keep it very light. So we have multiple trainers. We don't put one trainer and uh, ask them to do the morning sessions and evening sessions. Like uh, maybe they hardly take two to three hour sessions and they focus on their fights. 
Okay. Right. So this is one thing we did for a fight team that is like, see, in India, when you're fighting, you don't get any sponsors or things. So you have to work something to run the show. So that's why we, we have the trainers who actually want to fight. So we right. need a very less amount of workload and we have a fight team training where we join together and then people go and take sessions. That's what we wanted to do. You're doing that. Right. Perfect. And you know, some of your fighters have done very, very well, uh, especially when we did the WKN qualifiers. Uh, and I remember the, the first WKN kickboxing cup that I organized for the WKN India title belt. Yeah. Edu Kondal, uh, he qualified just because of that spectacular uh, win against, uh, uh, who was that Roop. person? I forgot. Uh, from uh, Koi. Roop. Roop Jyoti. Yeah. Roop so Jyoti. he defeated Roop in the first event. Yeah, Roop Jyoti. He defeated Roop Jyoti yeah, in the first yeah, event. Yeah. And because of that, he qualified. And then uh, Rocky also qualified. And uh, we had Pratap who qualified. Yeah, yeah. And they all did very well. And all three were in lines for the for the WKN title. Yeah. Uh, and Edu actually won it again, you know, a spectacular fashion. Unfortunately, uh, his opponent could not come out after the first round. And yeah. Edu looked like he badly broke a sweat. So that's what... Like when you are with the scoring game systems, like when you fight in a system where you have a scoring, so you can't afford to get hit, you can't afford to give the point. That's what that's where you get that head movement, footwork, and things like that. So you don't get injured much. Right. So when you start something with like a karate or a taekwondo background, this is one advantage. Like it's not like you're just trying to hit the person, you're also first thing is like you don't get hit. Because you can't afford to right. give the points. Right. Those are the games with this point systems based, right? So that's one advantage. Like uh, even oh, my fights, I usually don't get hit. Right. That is a very unique point you bring up. Uh, because to be honest, you know, uh, in my uh, when I've seen people from traditional martial arts come to MMA, uh, a lot of people struggle to transition. But people like you, people like Edu. Uh, they've taken the aspects that really, really works, like not getting hit. And I didn't didn't think of this in the past, but now that you mentioned it, it makes so much sense. The way you move, the way Edu Kondal, Kondal moves. Yeah, I guess that's a lot of your Taekwondo background coming in. Yeah, yeah, bro. Even even in my grappling also, even the footwork and the distance covering distance management works a lot. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that is that is that is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so you had a grappling background. Uh, Edu Kondal obviously does not, but uh, and most of his fights seem to be striking based. But how do you manage when you train with the fight team? How do you manage each person's strength and each person person's uh, weakness? How do you do that? Do you have a system in place, or do you just go with what your instinct tell you? No, no. The thing is, the uh, when I work differently in the fight camps as well as the fight training throughout the year. So when we are working on the fight training for the year, we work on new things like what is the things that we have to improve in this guy. But when you go for a fight, camp-wise, we don't do that. We just see what this guy is good at and we just work on different aspects to pull that thing. Like different kind of setups, different kind of follow-ups. Just if Edu is a striker, so we just work on landing the kicks in uh, offensively, defensively, in counter-striking and different ways like that. So again, Edu don't like right. uh, grappling that much. So <laughs> he, he likes uh -huh. striking. And anyways, it's all good as long as it's working. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, 
So, so from your mindset point of view, as a fighter versus a corner or a coach, how different is it for you? Uh, as a fighter, like it gives you the freedom. Like you are only fighting, so you have your game plan. You want to do the things that you want to do the way you want to do. But as a corner or as a coach, uh, you, you have to adjust to the fighter according to the fighter, like whatever his comfort zone is. Like some people are really good with grappling, some people are good with striking. Also, just because as a fighter, I like to grapple more. I like the submissions. Uh, I like more of the control-based fight more than scramble-based fights. Okay. So that I cannot implement on other guy. Like uh, that I usually don't do. So whatever they are good at, I just built a game plan based on opponent. First we study the opponent. Like we think like, okay, what are these cases? Uh -huh. We put a lot of time studying the opponent. First thing we do the homework there okay. first one, and then we work on every every camp. We have different game plans. Every camp we change it. Like we don't keep the same thing. Sometimes based on the opponent, we just keep working accordingly. And that's also we mm -hmm. according to the opponent and according to our fighter as well. Not only based on the opponent. So that's that's the one thing which is uh, interesting of as a coach or as a complement. So here sometimes I would as as a fighter I myself might do something else. But that fighter might, the fighter who is fighting, he might not be comfortable doing that. So first you have to read like, okay, what this guy is good at. And then we work on that toward the game, uh, camp. And whenever he's fighting, we just call what he is comfortable doing that. So that adjustment you need to do according to the fighters. Okay, got it. Perfect. So um, what has been, uh, I mean, as a fighter, you fought so many matches. What's been your favorite match so far? Uh, Sahil Rana's fight, the way my shoulder came out. So, your shoulder came out, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> Tell me more. I need to know more. Yeah. Before that, I fought a guy called Vijay Singh Baroya. So, I fought in a robot and my shoulder came out. So, that I be like, okay, my, that was my mistake. He slammed on the shoulder was out. With Sahil Rana, nothing happened. I was, I tried to read his leg, I tried to take his back. The process I wanted to hear is right leg, left leg, sorry. I was just pushing the leg out and my shoulder came out and just fell down. So that fight I could not even continue. I'm not taking anything from my opponent. He won the fight. So I'm not taking anything. But they somewhere feel like, okay, I lost the fight, but my opponent did not beat me. That feels somewhere it's, right. it's always there. Okay. So obviously he won the fight. No doubt that, but I think that's the one fight I lost with... Where my opponent did not do anything to beat me. Like, first of all, uh, <laughs> okay. there's two things to this. Most people know when they have a small, small, small injuries, like maybe a cramp, maybe something, they don't, they choose not to fight. That's a really a very professional approach right. to do that. But I had this posterior rotator of dislocation. It was I lost 27 percent of bone in that. With that, I used to fight. So when I used to fight, yeah. So I used to use like 30% of my striking because I can't use my punches. If I throw my right, it will come out. If I block, it will come out. And even in grappling, okay. I used to use 60% of my grappling because I cannot put over hooks with right hand. The moment the shoulder goes over the shoulder level, uh, elbow goes over the shoulder level, it used to come out. So I used to make a lot of adjustments okay. and fight. So in that, okay. taking a fight with uh, taking a fight is not that good idea if you see in one way. But in other way, right. I absolutely like that. Like, it improves your confidence to the next level. When my shoulder is back, 
my confidence is even more like i can say that okay with even with one shoulder i am able to, I, i was ready to take fights i was winning fights as well and uh, now the shoulder is also fine so it gives you the confidence like okay fine even with one shoulder you are doing that good so now with other shoulder you will be doing much better okay what what did your family have to say about it i mean did your family know that you are fighting with an injury yeah yeah everybody knew so this injury started from my taekwondo days what used to happen is in those oh. days when uh, you are doing demo yeah you used to do gymnastics the conditioning was taekwondo conditioning but the moves were gymnastic moves so that's where the problem has started it was a wear and tear slowly because of the handstands and because of the flips slowly started tearing once i was doing a wall salt oh, okay. i fell down straight and shoulder came out okay. and yeah right. there was a lot of people around there asking what what i was like no no nothing i just pulled it back myself and we go back to the line and start drilling that right. so those days when it happens first you first of all you don't want to go and get surgery because there was a lot of misconceptions around they will tell like okay if you get surgery you will not be able to fight also you might fight you might not right. this is in 2008 2009 those days right i was very young as well <laughs> yeah so those days they will tell oh if you go to surgery and things like that you might not be able to fight this lot of things so people usually tell if there is a dislocation they will tell you okay work on your uh, muscles you have to just strengthen those muscles you have to work on this exercise that exercise and it will be fine right so that is one of the thing like people when they have a small injury they have to go and get it done and it will be much easier if i got it at that point of time the surgery also would have be very minor surgery just uh-huh. they have to fix the ligament right. but right now because of right. it, went on for like a 7 8 years of serious thing and it was before that as well but 7 8 years it was very serious it used to suddenly come out and actually pull it back okay so that was one wow. big mistake so if any athlete uh, anybody who's having any kind of injury for this that you have to say and it will be much easier for because like on you are addressing how you want to address it but in a worst manner right right so you know uh, yeah an athlete especially the wear and tear is so common and if you don't take yeah. care of it early enough it's going to be a lot worse uh, because I, i don't know yeah. if you know but uh, apparently kumaru usman he's like a great yeah, fighter yeah. right in, in the ufc one of the best welterweights out there Yeah, but yeah. they say outside of the fight camp, he he finds it difficult to even walk stairs. Yeah, yeah. Because his knees are all worn out. So as a fighter, even regular training will wear your joints and everything out. And if you have an injury and you don't take care, that's going to get so much worse. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good advice for fighters: do not neglect these small injuries. Yeah. And also, the training approach should be also be perfect, bro. The guess. If I were doing gymnastics in a gymnastic class, if I were doing the gymnastic conditioning for gymnastic moves, nothing would have happened. Everything would have been fine. You see, small right. kids do crazy flips and they stand because that's how they, that's what they train for. The conditioning is also based for gymnastic, and they do gymnastic conditioning and they do gymnastic moves. We used to do taekwondo conditioning right. and do gymnastic moves. That's one big big uh, problem. Usually, when you are doing right. a lot of conditioning for Muay Thai, and suddenly uh-huh. you go and wrestle, you are going to break something. True. it doesn't work like that. so yeah. that's, that's the thing like you have to properly schedule your conditioning schedule your uh, technical aspects everything like you have to properly have a go with the proper guidance with some expert just start right. with it. or nowadays you have everything on google just go google find out something right. and do just because sometimes we think think 
okay we are really good at muay thai we have a lot of conditioning and you try to do wrestling it won't work right exactly. you are going to do wrestling it won't work in muay thai as well you are going to get knocked out so the conditioning right. is <laughs> you have to focus on that like properly focus on that if your conditioning is good if your training right. approach is good you are mostly not going to get injured right and and between you and me right you know this is something i've noticed uh, like especially when i fight uh, train for mma fights like if i train for jiu jitsu it's easy i train only yeah. jiu jitsu if i train for kickboxing i know i train for striking and i can yeah. get my moves in but when i'm training for mma sometimes if i focus yeah. too much on my striking my grappling game goes down even though i have the knowledge and vice versa if i work too much on my grappling yeah. during the fight i realize the striking is not up to par how uh, do you ha- do you face that same issue or is that not a problem for you bro first of all uh, when i'm working in the camp i keep three different aspects like first i work on conditioning where conditioning is not completely right. based on grappling or for striking conditioning i work on the basic eight things what we work on athletic conditioning first we work on general strength then we work on uh, power which is ability to generate force then we work on speed right. then we work on muscle endurance uh-huh. which is lactic tolerance to keep getting for a longer period of time then we work on uh, balance because too much of power and without balance you're going to slip you're going to miss that you have to work on your uh, overall agility flexibility so when you work on this basic uh, athletic conditioning uh, you just work on the different aspects of your body just look at the body as body like okay i want to generate force i want to keep it grinding for a longer period of time i have to do it fast i have to have a good balance i have to be flexible to do this i need to have the cardiac endurance to go for this many rounds these are the things to keep it in the place where you are working on conditioning and then when you are working on uh, grappling you work only on grappling like you just try to work on the setups and first you start with striking because fight is going to start striking in a moment right. so first of all you should have a game plan like okay fine first i want to outclass this guy in striking i want to take him down and then i want to control the position i want to maybe ground and pound i want to use ground and pound to get the submission something like that so first you work on the right. setup first you work on the setup like okay how am i going to cover distance with striking sometimes you're going to cover distance offensively by you setting up and hitting and cover the distance sometimes he's going to hit you have to counter and cover the distance then you possess control over the guy you imbalance him take him down so there are like different lot of techniques in each thing but address these things as a not by technique wise like address it as like you have to just address all the objectives okay if you if you are taking a fight okay fine if you are going to take a fight just a tick like okay fine if i'm getting him on the striking i'm going to objective is to freeze him there cover the distance take him down once taken down then you work on couple of scenarios in control base then you work on couple of ground and pound to open up the submission then you go for submissions right similar things right. so we just don't want to like work on one aspect and uh, think like okay fine today i'm doing boxing today i'm doing grappling do martial art mma in a most effective way you can pull it off somehow you can pull it off but that's not the most efficient way to do it right mm-hmm. got it so overall okay. we have to address all the aspects right. of the sport and get it yeah bro sorry right right so okay so so when it comes to conditioning right uh, traditionally when you are into boxing or muay thai uh, yeah. road work is very very important but when you look at mma a lot of very famous mma fighters like conor mcgregor he just yeah. does not run 
Yeah. And one of the reasoning he gave is uh, when you run, your knees get short, and then you do jujitsu, and that wear and tear keeps adding on and on. So he prefers to do the elliptical. He prefers to do assault bikes. He prefers to do the rowing machine. What is your take on that philosophy? So mostly Connor is telling maybe he is with a lot of experts nowadays, so he's not talking nonsense for sure. <laughs> this guy gets the right kind of people. So obviously that should be true. Even I don't run much. Uh, I don't run like uh, even I do a lot of rowing and uh, air bikes. I do a lot of circuit training. Even back in Taekwondo days, we do different circuit training. It is like hit uh, HIIT. Yeah. yeah. So these were the things right. we should body weight training we should do in even in Taekwondo class. So I am much more comfortable with those things. I usually don't run. Like uh, Edu people do a lot of running. I don't do run. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. I like to do. I like. I just mix it up. Sometimes I work on endurance. Sometimes I work on uh, power things like that. But I don't usually run. I, I work on different kind of circuits. So again, if somebody has access to all this corner stuff, like McLaren Fast and equipments like that, it's ready to go. If they don't have, it's not a problem. You can do a lot of different kind of things. Like you don't need this thing or that thing. So it's okay. You can somehow figure it out. Start with running. If you feel your knees giving up, it's not supporting you properly. Then change it. That's it. Got it. So just listen to your body. That's that's your advice. Okay. Yeah. Can you yeah. hear me? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so yeah, again, there seems to be some sort of lag over here, but uh, hopefully, yeah, there won't be a lot more going ahead. Hello. Uh, yeah. Can you hear me, Raj? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I can. Okay. So yeah, there seems to be a lot of lag. Uh, hopefully, that's out of the way. You can hear me clearly now. You want me to rejoin again? I think yes. Uh, I think you should rejoin again. Let me. Just yeah, yeah, I can stop hear you. Your feed. Let me stop your feed. Why don't you just rejoin again? That'll be better. Hello. Yeah. So unfortunately, we still have some technical difficulties with Raj. Uh, uh, this happens sometimes with the mobile networks. Uh, if you do not have uh, enough bandwidth, or if the network keeps going in and out. Uh, you know, uh, these lags do come in. So sorry about that, but we'll uh, wait for Raj to join back. And uh, hopefully this time uh, we can complete the conversation. So I'm going to touch upon the topic of, of uh, him cornering uh, his fighters because he did corner his fighters for a number of competition, including for the WKN title at Fragging Monk. And uh, Edu Kondal did fight at the Matrix Fight Nights. Uh, which was not a great outing for him, but it'd be very interesting to see uh, what Raj has to say about that outing. Uh, Edu shared his view. He thought his preparation was not good enough and he overindulged himself in food he was not supposed to have. Uh, so let's see what Raj as his corner has to say about that. So we'll just wait for him to join back. Let me make sure he's able to.
I can see him. He's not ready yet. Uh, he has joined it, and uh, I think he is ready now. Yeah, we have him back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, Raj. Hello. Sorry, yeah. bro. The network is uh, really bad. Uh, that's okay. I'm I'm just glad we able to reconnect and complete this conversation. So yeah, uh, one thing I want to talk to you about, and I think people want to know. Uh, your fighters have fought in many many good competitions. You know, you have cornered your fighters in Fragging Monk, and uh, the uh, off late you did go to Matrix Fight Nights as well with Edu Kondal. But that was not a great outing for Edu. So yeah, how, yeah, could you let us know a little bit more about how you prepared Edu for Matrix Fight Night and what happened out there? So this time we thought like uh, Edu also wanted to have different. Uh, we thought like we'll have a better exposure with getting different training partners for the fight. Was like really good because in our class everybody knows everybody's moves. Like we are like six seven people there. Like. Keep training every day with the same person, so we have the comfort zone with each other while training. Right. So we thought, okay, we should have a uh, more training partners to bring in. So that's when we started training. Uh, we had our camp uh, collaborating with Hoy Combat, with Coach okay. Cycle. So that's where we started, and training was pretty good there. It was very intense also. It was training every day. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Ed was doing really good before the fight, uh, like really good. Even in the grappling aspect, in the scrambles and even the striking, everything was doing good. I don't know what happened. Even from the corner, I was telling him to set up and hit. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> he was not setting up anything. He was throwing whatever he wanted to throw. And when he got on the ground, uh, he was not even trying to get up. Uh, I don't know. Okay. He says like he had a lot of sweets that day, and he's. <laughs> he did not want to fight something like that. Crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I spoke to him, he told me the same thing. And I, I had a lot of sweets and I was not in the right uh, frame. I didn't feel energy. So I couldn't oh, do my best in the court. So <laughs> sometimes funny. it does happen. <laughs> yeah. Ed, Edu is the most un unconventional fighter I have met, both in terms of fighting and the way he approaches <laughs> the fight. So I, I love talking to him and but it's it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so uh yeah, so so tell me from your uh, your point of view, uh, as a as a uh, as a fighter, where do you see uh, yourself going over the next few years? What is your end goal? So I want to fight in um, right now, trying to fight in one championship or something. Okay. So first thing is that I want to get because that's one of the legit promotions where you have the world titles. Right. Like there are a lot of other promotions also. They will be telling like, okay, we have a world champion here. Uh, but that is a world champion, no doubt about it. As long as a professional promotion and having a international athletes in the roster, it's a world championship. But being a world championship, uh, being a world champion in either UFC or one championship, that's a different thing. Yes. So yes. I want to fight in one for now because mm -hmm. even other thing is try to fight in road to UFC two also last time. Um, even there, you need the records and you need to be. See, even if you get into UFC also, I don't think UFC in operational way, uh, I think one championship is much doing much better than UFC. Okay. Right. In one, I would tell you, in one or in uh, Bellator or any other promotions, it's like you get the spots for what you're doing inside the ring. 
in the cage. Right. Right. But UFC is not like that. It's about the star base. Like if you are getting in the pay-per-views, if you are getting putting the seats, like chilling in the seats, that's where you you get to. So even to get there to become that, you need to be a star somewhere else, like Michael Chandler. Right. Yes. So first you have to get to the promotions where they look at you for what you can do in the cage. You have to right. earn the spot. Things like that. And if you are like a world champion, one championship or any other like ballot or any other promotion and then making the transition into UFC would be much better. Got it. Got it. But other, so that's why I'm taking as many fights as possible right now. Right. Get the records. Uh, trying to fight the best fights possible, not only in, the, in terms of promotion, in terms of opponents as well. Like, uh, even okay. saying that the promoters were selling, uh, this guy pulled out so you can fight any beginner, we can just put up a debut guy against you and things like that. So that's not what I actually want to do. Right. Like, even if I fight, even the fight should be the like, fight should make sense. Not just because you're getting a main event into this promotion and that promotion, you will get one more win into that record. That's not how it works. At least for me. So I, I want to take the good fights, like a fighter who is like really good enough to fight. I'm not telling a beginner is not good. Uh, anybody can beat anybody up as long as people are throwing punches, anybody can knock out anyone. That's not the thing. Thing is, uh, the fights that make sense, and even if you beat one guy, it has to get the ranking up and up. Right. So, right. That's the thing. I'm looking to fight as many fights as possible right now in any promotion where the fight fight is good, opponent is good, whatever the fights that make sense, I'll be taking the fights. So get my record up till there and then get into one championship or any other promotions. Make my way all the way and then maybe get into your seat. Got it. When is the right Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, I hope you... So you by the time... Yeah. Yeah. By the time I finish my fighting career, yeah. I have to finish it with... Uh, with at least two different weight class world titles. Okay. That's, yeah. that's a great goal to have. That's a great yeah. goal to have. Right. Yeah. I know there's a long way Best to of go. luck with that. Yeah. But unless you know, this is what I tell for my students also. I tell them, like, we have to focus from now on. When you start a journey, it's not that you start your bike and then decide where you want to go. Day one itself, you should know where you want to go. So that's the thing. There is a long, long journey, I know, ahead of me to reach there. But that's where I want to go. You should know that you should believe you should know that first that's where you start the journey that's where you're gonna go however you want to go so right. that's the plan right. perfect great um so yeah best of luck on that journey raj uh so raj well, Thanks, one thing that is very important for fighters apart from training uh, and conditioning is nutrition uh, how do you manage that? Yeah. Because all your fighters, they always make weight and they always fit. You know, w what is your plan? Do you have a nutritionist or how do you guys plan your entire nutrition thing? First of all, including me, nobody cuts much weight. So we just usually cut like one or two kgs, like slightly down and then we fight in that weight class. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, so that, that is one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there are several of promotions, even in one championship, they don't allow you to cut more than 50% of your 15% of your water weight. Right. Right. When people are fun thing, I think it's like really funny when people think like, okay, I have to cut this much weight to get into it's a fighting competition, but before that it becomes a weight cutting competition. Right. Like right. who's cutting more weight? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's really bad for a fighter in a longer run as well. Mm -hmm. And even in that fight performance, when you cut like more weight. 
you are drained and everything you will be almost close to getting hospitalized and next day you are going to fight that's not a good idea so i don't uh, promote that i even i don't do that okay. one thing is in our class everybody like edu is like 66 67 something uh huh and he fought under 70 this time okay so, wow so yeah no cut. in fact he had to just stay where he was and just fight to that weight okay wow yeah yeah so i would say like okay one or two kgs it's fine like you can fight under 65 is okay you are 66 67 you can fight under 65 is okay but if he right. wants to come to 61 that's going to be a very hard cut there you're going to need lot of nutrition and this and that and mm-hmm. this ball is not for any good right right you can so, come yeah. on the scale give the weight but it's not good at all okay <laughs> so yeah one thing that i noticed after coming here you know this is something i had to do like even i used to not cut a lot of weight but when i came yeah. to the us uh and i i told you so couple of fighters uh, people earlier as well the i fought a guy in new york kickboxing competition amazing guy very respected yeah, yeah. 185 pounds that's 84 kgs but the guy was 6 foot 5 yeah. and then okay. i suddenly realized that out here uh, in the us when people cut the people i'm fighting are much taller and much bigger so then i'm forced to cut weight out here because it's no longer competitive if it's a pure striking competition yeah yeah if it was grappling i i could grapple the guy and then height doesn't make yeah, a difference yeah. but if yeah. it's pure striking and he's 6 inches taller than me there is yeah very little i can do to cover that distance so yeah out here it makes a lot more sense but back in india i was exactly like you know don't cut too much just cut one or two and then just go with it but i guess it depends on how you fight yeah 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 so most of the promotions supports you most of the promotions is promoting that thing to they are allowing you to cut weight and do this first of all this is a this is that this is not making any sense as a fighter at the first place okay thing is like you should fight the you should be healthy and you should fight the guy who is of your weight class so even there if you are looking uh-huh. for shortcuts like okay i want to cut 10 kg and then fight the guy who is like 10 kg lesser to me then the other guy is also doing the same thing right so everybody is doing the same thing first thing is that what the initiative taken by one championship is really good so they don't allow you to cut weight they check you the hydration tests and things like that so 15% of weight cut is good and not more than that so this is a thing that every promotion should uh, adopt okay not only in india even yeah, in outside to... everywhere people adopt this yeah then the people will be fighting their weight like people only right say so hopefully they able to do this because uh, the, because this culture seems to come from wrestling and boxing and out there people do cut a lot more than people do in mma yeah 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 uh, but yeah let's see, let's see how it goes if that's the culture maybe it's here to stay but uh, yeah uh, it does impact the fight in the long run it's not the best thing to do yeah bro yeah right um so you know we've all, almost spoken for an hour raj so thanks again for joining and before uh, before i sign Thank off you. is there any advice you want to give the fighters and the people who are listening in okay so when you when you are a fighter you're just starting with most people think like okay fine um, i need to start with one background and whichever your your background is and then you want to work based on that it's a cool thing to do but if you're not training anything if you're just starting up try to keep a good balance between grappling and striking both so don't be on either side if you want to fight mma you have to fight mma so you don't want to be a striker who's fighting mma or you don't want to be a grappler who's fighting mma you have to be a fighter at the first right. thing and other 
thing is like in india or in any in, in remote parts of the places and even in our big towns also like lot of uh, people don't get the right kind of training because uh, they most people if they're starting if they're beginners they some people is won't be able to afford that as well so there are very few gyms right. where they say like uh, if you join there they teach you everything but there are some gyms they will take you like if you are coming for striking you have to pay different fees if you are coming for grappling you have to pay different fees coach is very necessary but not compulsory that is the person you have to always try to know a coach is like somebody who is trying to help you learn but he is not making you learn you are the one who is learning so for learning you need some source to learn to accumulate some knowledge you need some source and that source can be a person that can be a video that can be your real life experiences lot of things right so it is always good go join somewhere get under the professional guidance if you are lacking that if you are not able to get access to that you have everything right now on uh, phone and this and that you can just watch and you can drill it up slowly and then you can work it up most of my training i never uh, went with a proper kind of apart from my taekwondo training i didn't go for any long period of training with any under any coach okay so most of my tra- uh, training and uh, whatever i do in grappling or in striking most of the thing especially in grappling it's a uh, edi bravo john danaher these are the guys who teach me <laughs> wow so online training is really effective mm. it depends on how with how much intensity you are learning it with how much attention you are paying that to do and first you learn these things and you just drill this couple of times you are going to get it right even we are planning to start up with a channel okay so oh, when we started phenomenon Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So instructional videos, and we'll be covering all the aspects like uh, grappling, striking, as well as conditioning, also. Okay, and this will so be on YouTube. First, yes, it will be on YouTube. First, we thought. Okay. Uh, first of all, my plan was on weekends. I wanted to go and take classes for free in uh, orphanages or in slums and kids like that. So just wanted to take a free classes like that. But even for that, there was a. we had to put in the money we have to send the trainers there and this and that uh, financially we were not able to afford that right so then later on i wanted to see most of my trainings whatever i learned i did not pay for them mostly i did not pay i just learned it for free okay so even when i was taking taekwondo classes apart from when i was like 13 years old i never paid any fees i used to lead the class wherever i take the class that class i used to lead and when i was 17 years old i started teaching and i started getting salary also okay so i always had the plan for teaching for free okay but right now it's a uh, i am also financially i am also not in that state where i can put my money and teach somebody right so that is where we came up with the youtube channel thing where i am giving where the other person is getting it for free but i am not giving it for free right. like once the channel grows you will be making money through the channel or something like this and you will be having your brand endorsements and this and that lot of things so this is one thing we wanted to work on mm-hmm. soon will be uh, open with the channel perfect so best of luck on that every you know just keep an eye out so when the phenomenal mma channel Thank comes you. out that's the that that should be the one place stop for all of you to get free training resources so we we look ahead to that so thanks a lot raj for joining and this was a wonderful thank talk. you so much for having me bro thanks bro thank you so much yeah. and uh, yeah good day and for everybody watching uh, stay tuned for next week we'll have a new guest next week again And again thanks raj and take care thank you bro thank you so much bye bye